Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. This week, our guest is Stephen Trahosky, musician, owner of Art Lore Studio. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and director of programming for the Film Society. I'm Erica Berlin, executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern PA. I'm Mike Berlin, a production Sherpa for life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> Sounds good. And welcome, Stephen. Thank you. And I'm all those things that John said I was at the beginning of the show. And more. And much and more. You make it sound better, though. So <laughs> Well, Steve, thanks for joining us on our 75th episode of Film Grain. You've been on our list for a while, and uh, the time was right to have you here for this milestone and, and talk about all that you've done in your whole entire life. Just kidding. But we will touch on um, a lot of the cool stuff you're doing, and we go back a little ways with you as well. So Steve, why don't you start us off and give us a little background about yourself. Are you an Erieite for life? Are you I a am. transplant? No, I was born and raised in Erie. I, I am at, I'm so eerie, John, that a buddy of mine that I grew up with actually lives in... Um, Minnesota and he did he came he's a, a doctor of linguistics and he came back <laughs> to do a speech at the Jefferson Society and he got a hold of me and he said you are so eerie man that I want to sit down and interview the way you talk because I'm going to use it <laughs> in my presentation so I met him and I and he had me answer all these questions and I guess it uh came back that I'm a hundred percent eerie. Whoa, I want to know what yeah, it means. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Please let's I mean, talk about like every, what does they, that mean? I, I don't know because I always thought that we sounded like the people on TV or commercials. I never thought we had any kind of an accent to people. I thought New Yorkers had accents and Southerners had accents and uh you know people Pittsburghers Pittsburghers had their own accents, but I never really thought of Erie having some kind of a, um, a tell. You know, yeah. I, it just never, it never dawned on me. So, uh, it wasn't until he came back to tell me that we did. So it's a Western Pennsylvania thing. We're supposed to, uh, hold on to our vowels longer than other, uh, parts of the country. Is that, is that what we do? It's what, it's one of the things we do. It's a, it's okay. not a, it's not a, an offensive accent, they say, but they, they like lingu like people who study this can pinpoint where we're from. No, right. no, no, Northwestern <laughs> Pennsylvania, because I I don't think that's Yin's are wrong about that. Uh, are we? It's not a Western Pennsylvania thing. It's a well, the Yin's are thing. That Yin's are accents its own thing. <laughs> we have You're this right pitch, about that. We have this pitch that irritates each other but makes us love each other at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very special thing. <laughs> it's a very special thing. So, Steve, you've obviously perfected. Uh, you are a perfect specimen of an Erieite. I guess. I, if, Linguistically I speaking. <laughs> I hope that's a good thing. I hope it doesn't work against me. So. Represent, man. Represent. Hey, it's been a good city to me. I got to tell you, it really it has. Um, I've lived an entire world in this city many times over. So, and you're always surprised at the people that come from other cities. Like I'll be sitting over at the studio and having a concert or having a show and someone will drive in from Rochester and they'll think, well, you know, wow, that's pretty cool. And then you think, well, why not? We used to drive places all the time for a good show. You know, something was happening in Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Cleveland, Fredonia. I mean, you jump in your car, drive up. So why not Erie? <laughs> yeah, Erie's always been a good, good music town. When, so when did you discover music? Where'd you go to school? And um, when did music start coming into play? Music started coming into play when I was in middle school. Real, I mean, I always loved music. I loved it. Even when I was a kid, we would put together 
you know, fake concerts in the neighborhood. You know, I'd buy $10 electric guitars that didn't work, you know, and they never would. Um, <laughs> but I'd have one, you know. And then I think in middle school, I had buddies that were getting into it. And we were kind of finding the basements and, and starting to figure things out. And you know, there's a lot of punk rock records out at the time. So it was easy to learn. People were learning three chords stuff. Uh-huh. And, and uh, but it probably wasn't until like high school where I started like um, seeing, j- you know, like jazz and, and, uh, and some great blues acts and those things that really started digging into me a little bit deeper. Like locally, or you mean like... Oh, yeah, locally. I was up at McDowell at the time, and uh, they were bringing in some some pretty cool concerts. You know, they brought in like Maynard Ferguson, and and they were bringing in some neat stuff. Um, The four pianos they brought in with, you know, Christian McBride, Mulgrew Miller, the tributes to Phineas Newborn. And and I would walk up, and I would just watch these shows, and, you know, I was pretty taken by them. I just picked up the bass and started trying to kind of imitate what I was hearing or what I was feeling, and I just started jamming with guys. And I never really took... uh, I never went to school for it. I took some some private lessons here. You know, I worked a bit with Frank Singer. And uh, then, of course, as I got into working with guys... I um, I learned from them or I would ask them questions or, you know, I would just continue to do things wrong that sounded good. I figured if I did it with enough conviction, nobody would care. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> but it was always the bass, the bass uh, right from the start or did you jump around for a little bit and, and find now, a way to it? I- you know, to this day, it's funny. Um, I love hearing other musicians play. I love uh, tinkering with other other musical instruments. I don't really want to settle into anything but the bass. I mean, that's always been where my heart beats. I can hear a band. I could lead a band. Um, but man, I, uh, I know where I want to be, the spot I want to be in. You know, and I know the spot I should be in even more than that. You know, I just belong with that instrument. Kind of chose me in that way. Nice. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I do everything on it. I all Everything I write on it, I write all my melodies. I'm not one of those guys sitting at the piano or, or with a big laptop open or anything. I literally, I sit, I write the bass line, and then I play a melody, and then I play some chords, and I just use that bass to do it. And then, you know, that's what I show a guy or or I track it or, you know, and, and send them some little recorded copy of it. And we go from there. How much of what you perform is original? It's funny because, I mean, we perform original stuff and it all depends on what I do so many. We do so many different projects. Mm-hmm. You know, I I mean, I, I hate to stick to just one thing and, and, and do it over and over. I mean, and I want to involve as many people as I can. You know, we were at Chafee's one time and I literally thought about it. We had a trio there and we ended up with four drummers, two bass players, two rappers, one dark folk singer and uh, another guitarist. And it was like, holy cow, man, how did this happen? And, you know, I just walked through the woods and 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 it was just because why not? You know, I mean, these guys are musicians and they all got the spirit of music in them. And listening is the act of participation. And and that's what we're doing. And uh, if, if you can try to lead it and you can find a few spots within the chaos, you know, it's great to um, to try different things. So I'd say even if we started with somebody, even if we started with a song, you know, a story with a fringe on top, um, you'd probably only get about 5% of it being the actual tune. And then, you know, the rest, we're going to just, we're going to create it from there. So yeah, I try to at least put original into, to everything we do. Some of my favorite um, since COVID. Okay. Since that started and everything has been crazy. um, Some of my favorite times this summer seeing live music has actually been being at altered state. I mean, they've done this amazing job of creating a space of, oh yeah, I don't, I don't even know if they imagined, maybe they did, but they saw this incredible parking lot behind their building 
right. and they turned it into this amazing outdoor music venue with right. plenty of social distance um, and made it into this awesome, you know, COVID yeah, friendly music space. Yeah. And they just did this amazing job and you and all of the groups that you've played with um, I saw you multiple times back there, you know, talk about that a little bit and specifically how they've magically transformed that space. I mean, how, how, have, how has that been for you? It's been, I mean, it's fun. I mean, well, first of all, um, Gavin uh, Moss, the owner, and I go back to ninth grade together. You know, you're talking like 35 years ago or something. We were dear friends back then. And so... We talked a lot, of, even before he opened Altered State, Altered State about what he was going to do, what he, what they wanted to do, knowing that Aaron was a musician as well. You know, they just automatically were family to me and a lot of other musicians and a lot of other people. Being allowed to kind of have the artistic freedom that they give you to uh, meld with their vision and their dream is really just kind of that typical uh, eerie beauty you know i mean it, that's where you that's what you don't find in a lot of places you know is that many years i can think back to certain places that worked not just with musicians but they worked with musicians to create this communal vibe this really amazing ambiance soulful scene that we've all you know, we all are attracted to and that we all are drawn to. And it feels a little bit bigger than just going out and seeing a band. Right. You know, it feels like a real occasion. I think that's always where the warmness of the city comes in is when people collaborate and they share each other's strengths, give each other the best that they have. You know, they respect what they're doing. That you Like, you know, you guys you know, working with film industry and working on films and working on all the different sides of film, you know, from actual film to uh, bringing it to the general public, showing film, you know, honoring film, um, that you do, there's so many sides to it. But when you get to collaborate with great people that have a vision, they have a vision for a community, you know, they're thinking about the overall, it just seems to take on a natural, organic, flow and altered states seems to have done that yeah i think i think you're right there something at least being a uh, audience member being someone who was really looking and i know a lot of people were looking for how do you get out how do you enjoy that scene that vibe that you're craving you know you want to be outside you want to enjoy a little bit of right a, a little bit of live music a little bit of socially distanced fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> if it's all possible i thought it was great i mean mike and i really enjoyed it and mike it looks like you have a comment too. well i, I <laughs> yeah i really love the bases loaded stuff oh yeah i know that was that was awesome <laughs> it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and like guys like uh what was it um oh i'm trying to think what beatles cover you guys did at the end of one of the shows and oh it was yeah like, it, it was the end it was uh oh, it was whatever. the last was... song you played and it was it come together it come together yeah, Thank it was you. come together yes. and it got funky I remember it was now, awesome yeah that that was you know and that's another thing even with the bases loaded it's like i come in there and you know there's there's tony gray and he's got this six string like i mean you know i think it's like a 10 million dollar bass or something like that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man i mean it is it is quite a piece of hardware, you know? And I mean, he's doing what Tony does, you know, which is pretty extraordinary. And um, there's Ralph Redinger, you know, who's another extraordinary bass player, you know, Funky Ralph. I mean, the funkiest of the funky. Um, Hat, Aaron Hatch who's another great bass player, you know, funky bass player, great soloist, great jam player. And so I'm thinking, man, what, what am I gonna do here, you know? And so that night, I ended up grabbing a fretless that I hadn't played in I don't even know how long because I figured it could just give me a different sound, you know? And the next thing I know, it was like pulling out every old fun R&B funk tune that I could remember in my head. <laughs> and those were literally filling out at the moment we were playing them. Yeah. They, and you guys, was, you guys were killing it too. Killing it. There was really, it was, listen, man, 
I know. I hope that Sly Stone thinks the same because <laughs> you know. I mean, we were we we were just feeling the mood of the place, and I think at that point everybody had been bogged down for so long. It didn't. It, I didn't really care about anything but the connection that everybody was going to make that night. I didn't care about mistakes. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really look at it like that. I just wanted this complete kind of, uh, you know, this this massive low end hug, you know, from these guys. And uh, you know, I throw Eric in there to kind of cut. If you make a really good, like, you know, Mexican chocolate sauce, you got to make just a little little something on the side to cut it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just because just that's that's perfect. But Eric was our sour cream that night. And uh, and it, and it, he just cut that that low end really well. He does you know, he does everything good. But those guys just the best thing about all of those guys is as good as they are and where they've been and what they've done. They honestly, when they show up for a gig with me, will follow me into my worst mistake. <laughs> I, they will, and they'll know it. They'll know they're going there, and they'll be like, "Go with." Them. And, and, and and it's 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 nice to know you know it's like because we can we can change something from there you know something can something can come from there because they you know they're hearing it they're they're moving with it and that's the fun part you know is i know that whatever way i fall you know those guys are going to be there and uh with one way or another they're not going to stop playing they want a good gig and they want to get paid. They want to, you know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's just, let's go with him, man. It's him, you know? So that's you bases know? loaded, which sounds like, you know, kind of more of a loose, fun, improvisational, like how many different projects, you know, are you involved in now that have names and do each of them fulfill like kind of a different niche or a different angle that you want to express yourself? I'm kind of curious how how these things have come about and um, what your goals are maybe for, for each project. The biggest thing that I want to do is be able to express my love for music, express my love for, I mean, genre is a, is a funny thing for me. I, I don't like genre and I don't like the rules of genre because then you're, you're, you're bogged into having to have this maybe sort of specific conversation and, and I don't always want to have that conversation. You know what I mean? Sure. It's just like if I don't I'm want to be to put play, in a box in a neat yeah, little box. But if I'm going to play, you know, if I'm going to play jazz, well, it's like telling you guys, you know, you can only watch, uh, <laughs> right. you know, dramatic dramas the rest of your musicals the rest of your life, you know, and, right. you know, you want a comedy sometimes, you know, you want, you want to break it up. And it's the same with music, man. Um, is it with the musicians that you choose to work with? Does a project start as, hey, I want to work with him or I want to work with her, and then you kind oh, of just kind of find always, your groove? Always. And it's it's always around the musician that I want to work with. And um, it could be like right, like right now I've been working a lot with uh, Fuzz Samuel from um, Manassas and Crosby, Stills and Nash and uh, Taj Mahal he did a lot of work with. Nice. Uh, He's doing a trio right now with uh, Junior Marvin from the Whalers. They're in Virginia and we're in Erie. So he's stopped here and done done some work and hung out. And, and he's planning on making a move up here sometime in April, you know, because we have some plans, some work we want to do here. 74 now. It's pretty incredible because I'm really learning from things from him, too. It's It's like... You know, he's had such an incredible background, such an incredible history on the base, played with Jimi Hendrix, that I'm learning so much. So when I want to play with Fuzz, I know that Fuzz is going to be kind of like the older version of me with a hundred times the experience, you know? And what he does is you sit, he sits down and when he takes off, you just got to follow because if even if you practice stuff with him, you're not going to play it that night. You know, you can sit down and have a rehearsal for two hours and write stuff down and then you show up and you don't play a one of them. <laughs> so, so it's like, okay, um, you know, if I play with a sax player, if I, if I play with different singers, if I choose a, a singer for something younger, older, I like playing with younger people. Um, Erica knows. I've played with Erica. Erica has sang with me many, many moons ago. Um, <laughs> 20 years ago. Is it that long? See, it's been oh, so yeah. long. Oh, yeah, it's 20 years ago. At least. 
At, at least. least. No, it was a little less than 20 years ago. A little yeah. less? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, just just a wee one back she then. <laughs> she was, but... Um, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, Stephen was the same age back then. I, I, I was, was much I was. younger. I was much younger. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, you're right. It always starts with the musician. And um, because why force, I mean, why force somebody to sound not like them you know i mean why not let the music take the path of 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 the artist mm -hmm. that's the one thing i think of in all the art forms that music can do um is that you can kind of as a group i mean um you you can have like a group and still have multiple forms of self-expression in that group around the same mm -hmm. idea do you think that's easier to do nowadays as the independent artist um, as it was before or when you started your career? Or do you think it's a little more, I don't know if difficult's the right word, but. It's different. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, now you can, you can flip on this computer and you can, uh, you know, you can find people that are just looking to create, that are just looking to do anything. And there's such a, a mass amount of them. Even in the time of COVID, creation has been the one thing that people have done they've been able to put a little bit more time into something or they're not doing music as such a business right now say if you're in a dance band or you're in a wedding band or you're doing something like that you know man that's your business you're showing up every week every weekend and you're playing you know uh, the funky chicken and brick house man and you're <laughs> you're doing that you know week after week after week you're learning and i mean and that's a great thing too but why do you really have to work on that when when you're not doing it so i've noticed a lot of musicians at home that have been able to kind of do original stuff during this time or write or pick up a new instrument you know in the way of live performance to see how it all falls out and how you bounce the ideas off each other and if you fit as well that's a little limited because of of the pandemic but people seem to be making it work with good recording tools and the time to reach out to one another and work on something um yeah, I mean, so walk been... us through some of the uh some of the <laughs> stuff you've been doing remotely online um as far as as music this year what what tools have you picked up um can you see them complementing you know going forward yeah well i mean i think because i did a unfortunate we're pushing a couple back right now because of the uprise and in, mm -hmm. in covid but i did do you know the jazz and blues festival which was interesting which was done in the middle of the woods um right. you know with maybe 20 people there total in that big area and most of it was film crew and you know, a couple of artists and, you know, stage managers and stuff like that. So that was interesting because I knew we had a pretty massive audience watching us and I had a good band. I had a good band of guys with me. I had, I had a real family band of guys with me. This, those are guys I really, I really feel close to, you know, Robbie, the sax player I've, I've played with for over 20 years now. And so I have a, yeah, I have a real good closeness with them in the studio. I, um, I did a project with Eric Brewer called The Jazz Side of Eric Brewer. It was Tony Gray, Ian Maciak, Eric Brewer, and myself. And um, you got to hear Eric kind of from a different approach. We did everything that night from a Brewer tune to a John Coltrane to Django Reinhardt to um, we ended with an Eddie Van Halen tune. It was the week of his passing. So we did a quick little arrangement of Beautiful Girl and put it into our own way. It worked out to be a great show. Ben Wyatt did the sound and our Frank did the uh, video. You know, what I got to see is a new way to a new way to catch an audience that can't make it and catch them over and over again. You know, catch it the next day. Yeah. On which, a walk party. I just stumbled across that show just really on on accident. And, um, you know, I might not have gotten to see it otherwise. So. In that aspect, um, you know, I think I think it could be cool as like a maybe like a complementary aspect, you know, as far as getting more viewership and introducing more people to 
to your art. Were there any hurdles that you guys had? I mean, it sounds like you had, you know, great people on sound and video. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, it, it's funny because we have all the time in the world, but nobody has any time. <laughs> um, you know, so there's always that hurdle, right? Like, when can we can we get together? Um, what are we doing? What are we, you know, are we, you know, with something like that, you'd want a, a little bit more of a plan maybe than some of the things we walk into. And, and you know, and you owe, you owe people at least, um, you owe people at least the fact that, you know, that you at least had a chat about what you were going to do, you know. If they're going to tune in, it's like, hey, well, at least let's at least talk about it a little bit, you know. So was that difficult? Said, was that difficult well, for the improvisation? Well, you know, again, people are trying to uh, are trying to do a lot online. So, you know, Tony's um, doing these videos. So he's in production. Ian's doing, you know, loops online and beats. And then he's working for a company and then he just released uh, just got released on the machine drum cd and and so those guys are working on so many different um projects and things online and and throughout that it it does get a little tricky you know it gets a little tricky to just get together and hash out you know five tunes um so you have to kind of uh you have to bank on the fact that they're going to do a bit of homework and um, that when you do get together, nobody's afraid to ask questions and um, nobody thinks that they're above the gig. You know, uh, you talk. Does it always work? And sometimes you forget what you talk about. <laughs> um, you, know, you get into the tune and the conversation changes. So you just, you have to be prepared, always prepared. In this in this music if if you want to be creative and you want to move forward would you say on some level that it's on like because i think i i actually think i know what you're talking about does it feel like and it's not anything that is malicious or brought from a negative space but it's like you're trying to compete with people's attention and trying to make sure that you're getting the best of their focus is i mean would you say that's a little bit of like what you're speaking to Yes. I mean, yeah, of course. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to, I think we're trying to do the best project that we can do within the confines of being, you know, both locked in right now and um, also working, trying to work on these multiple online projects. Um, and then when we get together, it's like, you know, how can we get the maximum amount of uh, quality out of this short amount of time that we have to put this together? And it's just comes from, you know, even as great as somebody could be in the band, it's like everybody's got to know when we can be quiet. Um, everybody's got to know when to speak up. Everybody's got to know. And again, these guys are just they're following. They're following both their instinct and they're following the lead of where everybody's going we're not thinking we're above the gig, you know? You have a lot of projects going on, but let's talk about the other project in your life. You have a whole other business. You're a musician, but your wife, Lena, you opened a business a number of years ago, Art Lore Studio. Yeah. So yes. where did Art Lore come from? Um, oof. All right. <laughs> art All right. That's a big, that's a big question. That's a big question. Know, Where did I, art lore come from? Because well, Lena's an artist and she has been yeah. for, for a long time. So right. was this her dream that, that you brought to a, re a reality together? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, Lena and I were doing shows together um, at a lot of different places. We were doing it um, over at, when Joel and Christine Palacio on the jive. We were doing um, shows down there. We were doing shows over at 1201. We were doing, you know, um, home shows um, where I would play and uh, Leanna would do the arts. You know, we were doing curating a lot of different places. And it just seemed like the next move was to get a bigger studio for Leanna to work. And so we looked around and an opportunity came up in 2015 for us to 
go and check out this this place in Mel Creek that a friend of ours was in. And we were there and we loved it. We, we just felt the vibe. And we went in and we put it together and a few artists showed up and started working with a few. And then a, a couple more showed up and it was, you know, we just kind of built new relationships, um, worked with some of the old relationships we were working with and met a lot of new people, learned a lot of things. And Art Lord just kind of grew, yeah, into the vision that we had. I mean, we wanted a communal space space that we could show our art, show our creative side, but also share it with um, the community. Um, we also wanted to kind of tell a story, you know? That's where the name came from, Art Lore. You know, we wanted it to, we look back on our five years and it's like what we've done and the story that we've told. And we feel that that will be part of, um, a little part of our cultural history here. And, and that's, that's kind of where that name came from. And that's we wanted great. to be all local and work with all local people. And that's what we've done. So we're celebrating five years this year. Lena does her art. Do you have other artists using, it's a gallery space, but do you have artists using the space to create art? I know you do uh, performances there. You live stream on Facebook. I see those. So how else are you using Art Lore Studio? Um, this year it's been interesting, but um, yeah, Art Lore is, I mean, we do have um, other artists that are in the gallery so that they do have their work in there um, for sale. Um, Lena does, has her work in there. Of course, we do all the jewelry we do all the mosaics. We do. Um, we did classes this year. Of course, we we haven't done them really with everything going on, but we were doing classes. We've used it for so many different events and artistic occasions. It's we've worked with like the League of Women Voters recently on um, the mannequin project. Yes, yeah, so I was gonna. Yeah, garden. I was gonna ask about that. That was my next question. Your your yeah. project with the Hagen Center. So that's been you know a big part of what Art Lore's done is we've done a lot of collaborations. We've done a lot of work with organizations from the League of Women's Voters to Erie Dawn, Erie Home for Children and Adults. Um, we've worked with a lot of organizations with the League of Women Voters, Liana kind of was the vision on the visionary on the project and she worked with them on putting this project together and it was um like 20 19 or 20 female artists and they were from 12 years old to in their 60s i don't know but and from all different backgrounds and they received a stipend the artist did from a grant through Erie arts and culture so what they did was the artist got paid to design a mannequin. There was 10 full mannequins and um, 10 busts. And what they did was they were to use the suffragette colors and somehow intertwine that with a story of uh, the suffragette, the movement, um, you know, the hundred years in women's voting. Mm -hmm. And also combine it with their own story because these women came from a lot of different backgrounds. Um, they were African-American, Native American, um, from the LGBTQ community. Um, some are younger, some are older. Some were dealing with ailments in life. Uh, so they all had different backgrounds. Yeah, people from different countries. They kind of combined the story of progress and and this amazing movement and they uh, combine it with their own artistic vision and stories we got a lot of young people to sign up and vote during this which was great the Fantastic. league of women the league of women voters came out every friday night and they set up a nice little table and um so as people came in they signed them up and that was a terrific thing we teamed up with hagen we moved it down to the historical museum. So it's in the ballroom on the third floor. Um, we had people from all over Pennsylvania come. I had a woman from down, I don't even know. I, and I feel bad because I, I think maybe Pimatuming 
or somewhere like that. And she brought an entire article in history of her great grandmother being the first woman to vote in Pima Jimmy. The whole story and showed a picture of her um, dropping her ballot. You know, so she came all the way up to see it. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We did a show in 2019 in January called Clowns. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) this was, this was, um, God, it's been going so, so fast now. Um, We missed a whole year, but (laughs) we, we decided we, I don't know. We just said, why don't we do something, you know, with clowns? So interesting. And, and we just, we would, we went and we got all these artists and we said, we want you to, to do something with clowns. What, and they were just like, all right. And then we, we had clowns from all over Pennsylvania wow. come to see this show. And, and people would be like, this is a famous clown. And, and I'd get to meet these famous clowns. And I found out like the background and, and how they were just, you know, the, the really melancholy side of and kind of the sad side of the clown and and the real history and and it's pretty amazing actually you know what you venture into when you just think hey i'd like to do a show on clowns you never know what's going to come out of that or <laughs> when you have a vision to design mannequins and uh, you know around the suffragette or um the 2020 lockdown show that we did this year you know, we did a hundred artists, over a hundred artists that came out. What did you do while well in lockdown? And we had some extraordinary work um, because art is objective too. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, what we saw during lockdown had so much to do with what came out in, in this work. And uh, yeah, Eerie Lore came out of this, which was a whole other branch of, um, of what we're doing at Art Lore. Hmm. Um, we got to work with Celebrate Eerie and do that magnificently large setup down there. Yeah, it was just, it's taken us a lot of, a lot of interesting routes, you know? You, you have a idea, you have a vision, and, and it's like a domino effect that happens. And uh, you don't know what you learn from it, but you take away all this knowledge of something that you may never use again, unless I run into a clown at a bar in an airport. <laughs> He wants to have a long conversation, you know, but other than that, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do it, but we did it. And, and I'm glad we did it. So it's great because just finding, like you said, I mean, finding the niche groups out there, sometimes you don't think I'm ever going to do a project with this group, but you do, and you're tapping into a a group of people that, all right. Let's do this, you know, you know, and I I love it. I love that. I love it. It kind of makes me want to have the film society do something unique and interesting. The one year we just talked about this the other day, the one year we, we, oh yeah. Cause we were talking to Steve Weiser about Charlie Chaplin and, you know, we found ourselves down at the Venango County museum, you know, talking about the oil, you know, in oil city, um, you know, about the, the, the festival that, that mm, yeah. weekend, you know, we were hanging out at the little tiny museum down there, but it was, oh, okay. I guess we're, I guess this is what we're doing. Yeah, uh, it's cool, We're hanging though, out here it? this weekend. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, I think what happens with all of that, you know, and when you build these little things in your community, you know, when you have a show like this and we're able to sit and talk or, or if we have a show where we're able to collaborate with artists or, we're able to collaborate with organizations and we are able to work on these multiple projects um, or we're able to counsel on these projects or we're able to write music or play music for these projects. I think what happens is everybody's included, you know, there's, you know, even the community's part of it. And so what happens is that you, it becomes, there's times I've looked around the studio and I've just, I've never, I never felt, I never felt like it was just mine you know, in that sense, if I look around that everybody is watching the ethnic heritage ensemble on a Sunday and we're all lost in outer space, just, you know, just, just to this groove, you know, or when Gary Lucas played there and, you know, Gary Lucas from Captain Beefheart and, and uh, Jeff Buckley's band, you know, did the first, one of the first music 
performances I had there. He did a solo guitar performance. And I just remember, you know, looking at, you know, 80 people sitting there, just you could hear a pin drop because we were so fixated on him. But again, I didn't feel like the, I felt like every, everybody was part of what was what was being built. Hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, it just that that felt like if it without the community that it, I, I would couldn't just walk into the place every day, open it up and be there and feel that same way if I didn't have the, the, the amazing, honestly, the amazing support from some of the community has been incredible. The collaboration and improvisation, I mean, it, you know, from your music to the studio, that's your brand. That's what you, yeah. <laughs> Leanna, that's what, what you guys are doing yeah. and doing right. I mean, I don't, I don't wanna put you on the spot, but you've, you've been in Erie, um, you know, your whole life. Do you mm -hmm. feel that, um, the people in charge, uh, do you think that they understand their their city? Do you, um, you know, if you had the ear of, and maybe you have, maybe you've uh, presented this to those in leadership, but do you feel that they understand the city and everything that it has to offer? And do you think that they get this um, collaborative spirit and creative spirit? I've been spoiled, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been treated really good by every administration that went through here. Um, Great. I know. I've, 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 I've felt like the, I've always been given, there's been times when the mayor's offices, different offices have, have called me out simply to do, you know, what we do. They, they want to see something original, unique. And, you know, they've allowed me to do that. Um, every single one of those offices have, have employed me on multiple occasions. Uh, they're looking at it. Do, would I, do I say they understand it? I don't, I don't, I don't know if any of us do. Sure. You know, um, well, maybe that, they don't need to understand but, it, but yeah, I, that but, makes me you know, happy and hopeful that, um, yeah. the compliment yeah. to leadership is, is great. Yeah. I mean, the inclusiveness that I've felt has been, you know, has always been there. Um, I can't speak for everybody on that. You know, I know, I know I've seen a tough year, of course, you know, I don't think people always go into office or into situations prepared for what's going to happen. You know, you go in with, it's just like business. I went in with an idea. I didn't know I was going to have to be a businessman, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I went in as a musician and, you know, there's business to be had. I've had to learn things. Um, you know, I've, I've had to look at things and my brain didn't really work that way. It, it, you know, it still takes a little bit of discipline to have to sit down and kind of go through numbers. And, and, you know, my wife has certain, um, uh, um, calming mechanisms for me, <laughs> you know, so that I can kind of get through things too. But, you know, you go in there and you have your ideas and you have your strengths and somebody throws a curveball at you and, and you gotta, you hope that you can do the best for, for everybody around you. And I think that even though sometimes I don't agree with what people do, I think that they don't do it maliciously. I think that they think that they're doing the right for the overall. Sure. And yeah. I mean, you're, and you're bringing people in all the time. That's, you know, that's what we love about you. And that's what we love about, you know, the collaborative yeah. um, nature. I, do of wish, I mean, I do wish some of these organizations, I do wish some of these bigger art organizations would reach out a little bit more on that. I really do. I'd like to see a little bit more, um, attention to what's, you know, some of the stuff that's going on there. Um, I can't say that, um, I can say that the people have been the greatest supporters, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, there's, you know, community, I'm, the community's I, got your back. Steve, I think that's actually an interesting point because it's tough. I mean, like, I don't know if necessarily elected officials and people put in those positions are, you know, they have other things that they need to sort of focus on. But I agree with you, Steve. There are, this is an interesting little sidebar of a point where it's just like some of the organizations that are supposed to be more about the arts and cultures, I think need to, and I'm not going to 
blast anybody here, but I think actually need to do a better job of uh, being more. Uh, I agree. I mean, I, I, have exploratory. No, I have no problem, you know, and, and, and again, I'm not saying that um, uh, they're not doing a good job, but they're doing a good job. I just think that there's sometimes there's, there's, a, you know, multiple collaborations going on. I would have liked to have seen these organizations look a little bit more at the Women's Project, not for me, but for the, the 20 uh, fantastic women artists from all different backgrounds that put so much into this incredible project to the multiple young voters that came out, um, the youth and minorities came out in mass numbers in this. Mm -hmm. This, you know, this stuff should be, art moved this yeah yeah okay or it helped yeah. move this it helped move us to a much a big movement in november mm -hmm. um it had bigger impact than a press conference or you know some of these like typical traditional things right this was it had a really much brought bigger people impact. out it had multiple stories it, it it impacted people in pa and and this was all something that was done through a multiple small collaborations in Erie. And, and again, I, I think it's, it's, it is the responsibility of some of these places to, to take a little bit of a deeper look and uh, expand their mind to community a little bit, a little bit more. Um, I, 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 you know what, man, in, in, in art, I've seen it my whole life and I'm okay with kicking it up a little bit is that you get tired of agenda. You know, that happens in, in, in art organizations too. You know, um, all art organizations, you know, they can become political, agenda can fall in there. They can be looking for certain things. You know, I may be uh, an old fish in their book, man. And I don't know, man, you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of new things moving through downtown Erie. And I've, I've been welcomed by a lot of those people too. You know, I've been really, the, the partnerships, the downtown partnerships been very kind to me. Dave Tamulonis has been a really nice, a really nice cat to me, you know? Um, th so those guys have reached out and done some things. Um, but again, I found my, I found a spot right now in, in Mount Creek. Mm -hmm. And um, it seemed like the right spot to do that. And I looked in Erie, you know? I looked in Erie and um, I didn't feel, we didn't feel that was our spot. And I don't think five years later, I'd still be standing here if I didn't, if I didn't, if we didn't choose our gut and go into the spot we went into. Well, it's, I mean, it's good that you found your spot and it's good that, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. you all are bringing the jazz into the mix. <laughs> <laughs> Jazzing it up, giving them the devil's music. <laughs> Steve, can I, can I ask you uh, on a lighter note here? Yeah. Uh, when uh, when we when we get through this, and uh, I, I want to start trying to look a little bit forward uh, on when there's going to be bluer skies, so to speak. Is there a place that you're just like, man, I can't wait when all wait for all this to be over and to gig at that location again? <laughs> My place. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because I'm looking forward to the people. I just, I miss the people. You know what I mean? Like when you're a musician in a city, you kind of ingrain yourself with those people. And there's, you know, there's people that are, that come to every gig. You know, they send you Christmas cards. They invite you to their kids back to, you know, you get to know them on this kind of like level over the years. I, 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 their support is constant. And, and and it's almost like they become a family member. I've had some of the most interesting nights with these people and, and, and how our lives have unfolded together, you know, simply because we've managed to touch each other, you know, over and over again. The music and the, um, the vibe that they give back, the support and the happiness and the love, you know. Um, I'm looking more forward to the hugs. <laughs> I miss, I miss it. I miss embracing people um, when I see them. Um, I'm, I'm another thing about being a musician is you're all often in a position to run into people a lot more often that you wouldn't see maybe if you uh, you know weren't out gigging or they weren't just blasting into town and and the first thing you want to do is kind of run off stage and give them a hug because you haven't seen them in 20 years or 15 years. 
and um, or two years or a year, you know, or a week. But you know, it's it's just human nature. Anywhere, man. I like gigging anywhere. I like. I think we can turn anything into anything. I like altered state. I do. They got a good vibe. I miss certain places. You know, there was places in my past. You know, Docksider and Scotty's, and you know, places that we really made a made a grand impact. I've played everywhere. Somebody once said, "Man, Steve Trosky, Steve, man, he's played. He's even played at the opening of the trunk opening once." <laughs> he said he's played so many places. He played at the trunk opening of a parked car. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I thought it was, it was, and he was, he's probably right. So, but, um, you know, it, uh, it's, it's cool. I used to think about things like, what if you went all over there? What if I just continued and I did things and I went all over the world always? And then I thought, would I have been a part of all these special moments that I've been able to play and like all these little amazing moments of people's lives that, you know, I look back on years and years, uh, anniversaries and everything from benefits. And I forget about all the things that we've done. And then somebody shows you something and, and you think, wow, you know, we were there for that. And they say, you really helped make my day more beautiful or that was a wonderful day and you guys were a huge part of making that happen and those are those are great because we become part of a lot of good memories and and uh i mean who doesn't want to be part of a million good memories it is you know amen that would be the best legacy in the world amen to that i don't care if my music or i don't care if i have gold records but if i'm a part yep. of a million and good memories that's, man cool. that's the legacy of art and of film music all of it. And uh, I know that John and you and Mike and artists everywhere share that same sentiment. As a, as a lowly consumer of all of this art and music and film, I would say that, yep, it, it stays with me and my best memories are, are um, all accompanied by that art. But Stephen, thank you so much for being on this podcast. It's incredible talking to you. And I can't wait to hug you. I can't wait to see you in thank person you. and hug you. I know. Uh, I can't wait to see you. I saw your yeah. mom the other day and I, we on the parking lot. Away. Yes, <laughs> the air hug. I know. We well, almost gave the air hug, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I don't know who anybody is anymore. It's I know. Like, you know, I didn't just wait until we all have a mask so and then a hat on as was, well. Oh, just everybody looks yep, like we Claude won't know Aiken who anybody is. <laughs> thank you so much, Steve. We will see you again soon. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Steve. Bye bye. Well, that's been our episode. Thank you to Stephen Trahosky for joining us. Next week, our guest will be actor Frederick Williams. Make sure you follow the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain.